Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills, in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we're studying the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 14. Here's Pastor Ryan. Turn with me in your Bibles this evening to the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 14. 2 Chronicles, chapter 14, and give me an amen once you're there. All right. Chapter 14. Father, we thank you for your mercy, for your love and your grace, and just for being so wonderful to us, Lord. We are your adopted children, saved by the blood of the Lamb, your Son, Jesus, who you sent on behalf of our sin so that we can be saved, so that we can have a relationship with you. And Lord, it's by your Spirit that you've given us by which we can understand, we can see things in your Word, the treasures, the lessons, the guidance. And we pray tonight, Lord, that we would be just in tune with your Spirit as we study your Word, speak to us, change us, make us different tonight. Help us to leave different, to leave being more like Jesus. May it be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name we pray, and together we say, Amen. All right, so Second Chronicles chapter 14. As you know, Israel has been divided into two kingdoms. And the reason it was divided was because King Solomon, the third king of Israel, the, the second of the Davidic dynasty, uh, in his latter days, turned from the Lord, although God had blessed him so much and he had wisdom like no other man on the earth, but yet he he wasn't faithful to the Lord in his latter days, and he led Israel down the path of pagan worship. And of course, we know that he had uh, hundreds and hundreds of wives, which was forbidden by God, but uh, he uh, chose to do so nonetheless. The warning was, they will turn your heart from me, and that's exactly what happened. And so the Lord divided the kingdom of Israel into the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah, which had Benjamin as another tribe there in the south. But the chronicler, the writer of the book, is focused generally on the kings of the south, the, the kings of Judah, because that's the Davidic line, and that's where our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ would would actually 900 years after the fact of this, after the time of our story, 911 years after Jesus would be born in the town of Bethlehem, in which we're going to be celebrating this month. And so it all points to him. So the chronicler is focused on the kings of the south. And the kings of the north are only mentioned when they're part of the story, but it's generally focused on the kings of Judah. And so verse 1 says, So Abijah rested with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. Then Asa, his son, reigned in his place. In his days the land was quiet for ten years. And so Abijah, as you know, was the grandson of Solomon, and he reigned in Judah for only three years. And uh, First Kings tells us, and a few weeks ago we we uh, 
you know, reviewed it, but since it's been a while, I'll, I'll remind you that he did not walk in the ways of the Lord. He actually walked after the sins of his fathers, uh, in which they had done before him, and that his heart was not loyal uh, to the Lord his God. And though he wasn't loyal, we're told that for David's sake, that the Lord gave him a lamp in Jerusalem, meaning God established him nonetheless. And so he didn't walk with the Lord, but God's mercy and grace was upon him. The kingdom was strengthened. He had some good moments, but generally his heart was not loyal to the Lord, unfortunately. But God being omnipotent and knowing all things, knew that Abijah's son uh, Asa would walk in the Lord's ways. And so Asa is born now in our story. Asa, his son, reigned in his place. And in his days, the land was quiet for 10 years. And then it explains why it was quiet. Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord, his God. For he removed uh, the altars of the foreign gods and the high places and broke down the sacred pillars and cut down uh, the wooden images or the groves. And so there it is really in a few verses why there was peace in the land, why God blessed Asa with uh, quietness in the land. It was because he did what was good and right uh, in the eyes of the Lord. He did what was right in the Lord's eyes, and what was right in the Lord's eyes was that he would reform the nation. The nation had, had under his father, turned from the Lord, and they had built up all of these pagan idols to Baal and Ashtoreth, and so he went around and he destroyed these, and King James refers to them as strange gods, but we know that they were gods of, of uh, fertility, and it had to do with uh, immoral sexual practices and the aborting of children, as we know. So they would, uh, as part of their rituals, uh, partake in uh, sexual immorality. And then the, uh, the result, of course, was pregnancy. And then they would offer their children to these little uh, fertility gods, Baal and Ashtoreth, and burn their children in the fires. And so it was really a perverse pagan uh, religion of abortion and wickedness. And that's what was going on uh, there in Judah, in the southern kingdom. And this is what Esau begins to take down, break down. And it pleased God so much that he gave peace to him for the first 10 years of his reign. And so, for he removed the altars of the foreign gods and the high places and broke down the sacred pillars and cut down the wooden images. He commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to observe the law and the commandment. He also removed the high places and the incense altars from all the cities of Judah, and the kingdom was quiet under him. And he built fortified cities in Judah, for the land had rest. He had no war in those years, because the Lord had given him rest. 
Therefore he said to Judah, Let us build these cities and make walls around them and towers, gates, and bars, while the land is yet before us, because we have sought the Lord our God. We have sought him, and he has given us rest on every side. So they built and prospered, and Esau had an army of 300,000 from Judah who carried shields and spears, from Benjamin, 280,000 men who carried shields and drew bows. All these were mighty men of valor. And so again, he removed all of these things, and God began to um, guide him to fortify Judah, make uh, the southern kingdom strong. But like I mentioned earlier, when we do what's good and right in the sight of the Lord, it pleases the Lord. When we do reforms in our life the way Asa's doing for the kingdom, it pleases the Lord. The Lord is watching Asa's life. The king of kings is watching the king of Judah, right? The everlasting king of Judah, Jesus Christ, is watching. And this king, touched by God, decides to live a different life than his father did which is another blessing in itself that no matter what kind of background we come from, no matter how our parents lived or walked with God or did not walk with God, no matter how good or how bad our background is, every generation gets to choose who they're going to serve. And Esau decides to live a different life. But he recognizes on his own the Lord speaking to him and him submitting to God's voice in his heart to make reforms. There are things in the kingdom that have to go. There are king, there are things in our life that may have to go. No doubt in our flesh, none of us have attained. We're still growing in the Lord. And there are things in our life that perhaps God tonight is saying that's got to go. An attitude that's, that is frequent, an attitude that isn't good, maybe unloving. Maybe, you know, unkind, maybe a bad temper, maybe the lust of the flesh or the lust of the eye or the pride of life. Maybe it's uh, complacency. Maybe, you know, the fire has died out and God is, is saying there has to be a reform in your life or in mine. But God sees our efforts to reform. And you know what it is and I know what it is for me. That has to change. And there's always something that has to change because none of us have attained. We will be like him when we get where? To heaven. But in the meantime, what is it in your life? What is it in my life that needs to change? Maybe it's a lack of joy. Maybe it's a lack of, of, of zeal and passion and celebration that you've been saved. Maybe you've lost your first love and are no longer full of the joy of the Lord. That would call for reform as well, to go back to your first love, to ask the Lord, what is it about me that needs to change? What is it about me that's not like you, that needs to be reformed? What is it? What are the things in my life that need that I need to get rid of? Maybe it's excuses after excuses as to why we don't give things up. You know, so many people today are living behind excuses. They, 
are sort of worshiping human weakness. Oh, I'm just too exhausted. Oh, I'm just too tired. I would say, then get rest. Then pray and seek the Lord and enter into his rest. Slow down. Cut things out. Don't cut him out. Don't cut worship out. Don't cut fellowship out. Cut the things that are maybe too much. Seek the Lord. What reforms must we do? I know this. God saw his reforms and blessed them with peace. God will see your reform, your attempt to cast off the works of darkness. Romans 13, 11 through 14, you can write it down. It's been sort of a famous, or not a famous, but a real popular verse for my life recently. Been preaching a lot on it. That's Romans 13, 11 through 14. It says, and do this knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, as we sang this evening, right? For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Uh, I'm sorry. Yep. Yeah, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust, right? To cast off. Let us walk properly as in the day. Let us cast off the works of darkness. Like Paul would not say that to the church unless it was something the church really needed to do. Asaph, that's what he's doing on a grand scale, right? For the kingdom, right? And, and, but, were those reforms not done within his own life first? You can't reform the kingdom unless you first reform the man, right? We can't reform our homes and the family and our children unless first we get strong and right with God. Lord, I'm willing and I'm ready to change whatever, make whatever changes I have to do. Then the fa- then we can work on the family, right? We can, you know, and, and usually, you know, when a reform happens with us, it starts spreading to the family, Right? Whether in a peaceful way or a not so peaceful way, because it came to bring a sword to divide. Maybe that, maybe you've been letting the kids just walk all over you, which is unbiblical, right? Let your yes be yes and your no me no. Or maybe you've been too hard on them and not, not loving on them and training them up in the love and admonition of the Lord, but have been, you know, Treating them wrong, whatever it, maybe husbands and wives, you're not being affectionate. You're not looking in each other's eyes. You're not caring for each other. Maybe you're single here and you're just not being holy. You're not being usable for the Lord. You're not giving them your all. It's time to make some reforms. I think that's the story of our lives, really. We are being reformed and transformed into the image of the Lord. Christianity is the best thing that ever happened to me. And it's the best thing that ever happened to you. We need to rejoice always in the Lord. Sit at his right hand. And whatever changes need to be made, make them, Lord. Proverbs 16, verse 7 says, When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. And so here Asa has all of this peace. For 10 years, he has peace. And when we make these reforms, you have peace. 
Your conscience is clean. Your heart is stronger. It, 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 there's something that, that, that happens when we get rid of junk and, or when you acknowledge and look in the mirror and say, this has to change about my attitude. Man, you get invigorated. You get, you know, the Holy Spirit can anoint that. Holy Spirit cannot anoint us, and I mean baptize us with strength and all the blessings that he gives us, the joy, the peace. He cannot baptize us if we're not willing to reform the things that God has clearly pointed out in his word that we are not to do. And that says here, in verse 6, or in verse 5, or verse 6, actually. And he built fortified cities in Judah, for the land had rest. He had no war in those years, because the Lord had given him rest. Therefore, he said to Judah, let us build these cities and make walls around them and towers and gates and bars and so on and so forth. And he also built up an army. Esau gets on this building project as the reforms were being completed. It's like, and it's true, like a Christian's life, Christ, I mean, we begin to gain ground. We begin to grow and mature, and God begins to build our lives when we're open to the reforms that need to be done in our lives. We become stagnant. Nothing's being built. There's no real fruit. There's no real evidence of movement or building when we're not because God might be saying to you and me, reform, change some things because I want to build because Jesus is a master builder. Is he not? You remember what he said concerning his word. He who hears these sayings of mine and does them, I liken him to a man who built his house on a rock. The winds came, the storms came, the floods came, and that house stood. I think of that verse in Jeremiah that so many of us have found so much encouragement from, Jeremiah 29, 11. In Jeremiah 29, 11, the Lord says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. It, it, it's a promise and a blessing from the Lord but it speaks to the ones that would seek him with all of their heart. And before the building began, it says here in verse 4 that he commanded Judah to seek the Lord, God of their fathers, and to observe the law and the commandment, right? So before the building came, he commanded Judah, he commanded the people to seek the Lord and then to observe his ways. To seek him. And how do we seek the Lord? And if we're going to make reforms, it begins by seeking the Lord. And how do we seek him? 
It's through sincere prayer. It's through sincere time with God in just going to a quiet place and praying and not leaving until you hear from God. Prayer isn't just some religious kind of exercise that people do. It is us communing communing with God, communicating with Him, letting God minister to us, letting God uh, change us, letting God reform us, letting God comfort us, letting God strengthen us, letting God fill us with joy, letting God fill us with hope, faith, and love. That's what prayer is. It's all about pouring out our problems to Him, for He cares for us, and then receiving all of the attributes that are there for the taking for His children. The love, the peace, the hope, the joy, the courage. We cannot be cowards and be, and be afraid to change. There are many who are still afraid of, of people. The fear of man is a snare. Some people are afraid to change because they're afraid what their family and friends might say. You know what Jesus said concerning that? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, I will be ashamed of them. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of Jesus Christ. Seek him. Seek him. And you can hold on to Jeremiah 11 as your own word from the Lord. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. And then he tells them also uh, to observe the law and the commandment. So it's not enough just to seek the Lord. There are many who seek the Lord, but then come back from that meeting with God and seeking Him, and, and they don't do anything. We don't want to be that either. That's why He said, seek the Lord, the God of your fathers. But then He also said, observe His commandments. Observe means to do. Do what He says now. It's not enough just to meet. I've met with the Lord. Well, okay, good. Now what? I've given my life to Jesus Christ. Well, okay, but now what? Many have confessed them in churches, right, around the world, uh, throughout history, have given their lives to Jesus, but then is there a fruit of actual doing something and changing? You see, our works demonstrate that we have faith in God, and our lack of works demonstrate that it's not so good, not so strong. We have to observe what he says. We have to live his word out and bear fruit of it to show that we are truly Christians, that we truly belong to him. It's not enough just to seek him. We must do what he says. James says it in James chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. He says, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. we got to do something for the Lord. Our faith should be proven 
by our changed lives and our willingness to do and observe his words. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 20, the Lord says, Therefore, by their fruits, you will what? You will know them. I've said it before, if there was a, before I used to say if there was a GoPro camera on you 24 hours a day. But now I'll say if there was a drone on you 24, it'd be scary. But if really, if there was a camera on us all the time, you know, would, they, would people be able to tell that we belong to Jesus? Or would we, or would we be like everyone else in the world? Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 8.30 a.m. and at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. We don't.